0: This is Transcend with Nat, where we're discovering our higher purpose and sharing stories and awarenesses along the path of transcendence. Hi, and welcome to Transcend with Nat. This is Nat, I'm your host, and recently I was in Europe, I did a workshop in London and a discussion Q&A afterwards, and it went wonderfully. I'm so grateful to all of those of you out there who may be listening, who were at that workshop. Thank you for coming out. I also happened to get to Amsterdam to see David Allen and his wife, Catherine, which was lovely. I've been friends with David and Catherine for many years. Um, David is a Guru in the area of personal productivity and organizational productivity. He wrote a defining book that's, um, that's one of the major books in the field called Getting Things Done. It is an international bestseller and has been translated into around 30 languages. Um, And I am so honored and grateful that I was able to interview him for the podcast while I was there. So I am going to play that interview for you now. So enjoy. So grateful to have David on the show today. We're here in beautiful Amsterdam where he lives. David,
1: it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, Thanks for the invitation, Nat. Delighted to see you again. It's been a little while and happy to have a chat. Sure.
0: I wanted to get started. Uh, actually, one of the things that we were just talking a little bit about before we started hitting record um, was the process you had of writing the book, the first book, Getting Things Done, and how you learned about simplicity. And in the writing process and all of that. And just wondering if you'd share that with the listeners and maybe any other insights you have about simplicity.
1: Oh, sure. Well, writing, as I said, writing's a bitch. You know, you actually have to think to write. I love to have written. So, you know, I've done a lot of writing, but uh, it's kind of agonizing. It's staring at the blank screen, you know. It's, you know okay, you go, what do you do? How do you get going? To butt in chair, hit key, you know, start, yeah. you know, write a crappy first draft. You know, that's the, you know, <laughs> That's, you know, so I, I learned a lot about that. Uh, I had always w- kind of wanted to be a, a, a writer or to be able to do writing, especially something that might be professionally uh, useful. I had a brother-in-law uh, that was a f- reasonably successful writer of the Beat Generation. He, he and my sister were good friends with Jack Kerouac and and a lot of people of that generation. And I always wanted to sort of have that kind of a uh, career or profession where you just you thought and you put stuff down and you know people found it valuable and you could produce value that way. So that, I, that was always there, but I never really. God, I, I tried to start writing a novel once and got so intimidated by the brute honesty <laughs> that it, <laughs> that showed up in trying to write fiction. So, uh, in any case, you know, I'll, I'll try to make the story a little shorter. Um, at some point, you know, after 25 years of doing the work that ultimately became known as Getting Things Done at GTD, only only after the book was written, because that was the title of the book, but I was doing that work for years, Coaching people doing a lot of training uh, around the these sort of self product productivity best practices and at some point it took me twenty as I say it took me twenty five years to figure out what I'd figured out and that it was unique that nobody else seemed to have figured that out, and that it was bulletproof. I'd now tested it out with the best and brightest, busiest people on the planet, and it always worked so at some point. Uh, as we were kind of going through a transition in our own business, um, I had a bunch of people coach me that said, "David, you, sh- you should write the book." Went, oh my God, write the book! Okay, we had been sort of on my someday maybe list for a while, mm-hmm. but then I activated it, and then it took it took four years from the time I pulled the trigger to make it an active project. It took me a year to just to just to sort of frame how do you write, a, how do you write a book? How do you sell a book? How do you, what do you do? How, you know, do you get an agent? Yeah. Do you go to editors? Do you, what do you do about that? So I did a good bit of research on that, had some, a f- good friend or two that were in already in the publishing business and, and so forth. I got some good coaching from them. So, um, yeah, and it, and it took, it, it took a year to write the first draft and the first draft didn't work.
0: Really?
1: It, it wasn't, it, it didn't work. And, and, I was like, oh, no. See, the first thing I wrote, Nat, was the, was the, were the reviews.
0: Oh, really?
1: You know, yeah. You know, because I've been into visualization and yeah. affirmations and, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. And Definitely. so um, uh, the first thing I sat down, I said, okay, these would be the ultimate reviews of the book. Great. Unfortunately, that raised the bar so high, <laughs> <laughs> the first draft just didn't cut it. Yeah. So it was like the dark night of the soul. I just threw it away and, and took wow. the next year and wrote it, wrote it again. Wow, you literally just threw it away. I literally threw it away. Wow, that takes again. a lot. Because it, you know, I knew the material. I mean, obviously, I just you know, I was sure. I, I knew what this stuff was, but how to put it in the right framework? Um, because I, the first draft, I wrote like I did a seminar, but that's a very different. Yeah. A book is a very different game. Yep. In terms of the audience, and how you how you how you reach them and how you approach it. Definitely. So then I took the second year and wrote the second draft and that worked and then uh and then you know back to the simplicity thing interestingly the the, the once that draft was turned in uh penguin viking the the, the publisher had uh line editors go okay. through it and yeah. i wasn't aware what the line editing process was and the line editors took this thing and as i say it's like they gave it a bath I was a little afraid. I said, are they, they going to lose my voice or is it, are they going to mm-hmm. lose the style? What is it? And it turns out that, you know, I don't know if I just had one of the most elegant line editors in the world, but <laughs> it turned out that, you know, they would take a 25 word sentence and, 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 and reduce it to 12 or 15, wow. you know, and, and, and say it, say better what I wanted to say than I said it, but not lose my voice. So wow. then, you know, I, so I literally took the, the whole line-edited version and retyped the whole book so I could learn how they think, yeah. and uh, that was extremely valuable. So ever since then, you know, that's gee, that's like 20 years ago. Ever since then, that's helped a lot in terms of how I for me to sit down and write and say, how much simpler could I say this? How much easier would it be for somebody... You know, how much more of a common language can I use than to be too sophisticated and esoteric about what I'm writing? So, uh, great training. That sounds like amazing training. And and do you think that it
0: translated into other areas besides just your book writing? That mentality?
1: Well, I've always liked. You know, Nat. I. You know, I when I was in high school, I read all. You know, I I was a big fan of of Zen. I, I I read Suzuki and Alan Watson. You know, so I've very much been resonated with the sort of Zen aesthetic yeah. of the minimalist, you know, yes. ideas. So I've always did that. You know, I did bonsai for years. Okay. I still do ikebana, you know, flower mm-hmm. arranging. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Catherine and I, we're serious Japanophiles. I mean, we love we love that style of the the minimalist style. You know, that has so much elegance to it when it's done right. Yeah. You know? So so I've always been sort of been attracted, I think, to that that thing. So it was nice to sort of translate that into Definitely. into my writing as well. Yeah. Yeah. That that's great. And
0: and actually that transitions to something else I, I'd like to discuss with you now that you went into Zen and, and those type of ideas. Um, is just meditation, active meditation, spiritual exercises, which I know we both do, um, and and just how that's affected your life or or how you see that as something that has benefited you
1: in your life. Well, it's, it's sort of like breathing. I mean, how, after all these years, gee, I, you know, I met Jr. in 1971. So I've been hanging out for however many years that is, Yeah, you know, with this model. And even before that, you know, I was into the martial arts and into, uh, you know, exploring various kinds of things. And, uh, the, you know, Went through weird things through in my life that, you know, kind of fell off the end of the pier, mm-hmm. you know, experimenting and exploring, you know, <laughs> the, the inner spaces and you yes. know, all the different places you can go with that. And, uh, you know, when I came back around, I came back around really discovering uh, one day I was in Berkeley walking down Telegraph Avenue, walked into the Shambhala bookstore and just walked over and just my eyes fell on this book called the, the gateways or the, the gateways to spiritual science. I forget. Yeah, the anyway, it was the Rudolf Steiner book. Okay, yeah, and uh, I picked it up and I started reading. I said, "Oh my God, there are people out there that actually." You know, know this stuff that I've been experiencing. I, you know, because I, I wasn't sure where all this stuff came from and where w- what to do with it. Sure. Certainly, very profound inner experiences that I was having, but I didn't have a good reference point for them. Definitely. So, me and my sort of partner at the time just delved into all the esoteric writing and yeah. read Ledbetter and and and. Uh, Spinsky and, you know, and just all, all, we just sort of explored that whole world. like Oh my God, there's a whole science of spirituality out there. And, uh, you know, and in, in a very practical way, a lot of that was pretty, uh, pretty mental in terms of all that writing and so forth. And then, uh, at some point ran across, uh, J.R. and, you know, walked into a room and you know he started talking about this stuff and i said this guy does not give one flying you know what whether anybody <laughs> believes him or not yeah i said this guy is on i know you know yeah. he's he, he, he's on and then you know i just sort of hopped in and i said well let me let me let me hop in and see what this guy knows, and I'll stick around with him until I run, find the end of whatever that is. And I never found the end of whatever that is, as you know. I understand that completely. <laughs> it's still going on. He was in my dreams last night, so yeah. you know, it's still, still, yeah. it's still there. So it's just a part of a part of life. And many, many years ago, Jr. said, "You know, at some point, you just won't even need to do essays Your yeah. life would just be S.E.s. Yeah. And so in a way, I don't spend a lot of time during, you know, every day doing those kind of spiritual exercises anymore. But but just like right now, all I have to do is that and yeah. or just standing waiting for the tram, you know, in Amsterdam or at any point in time. You know, I still do a lot of keynote speeches and I still engage a lot with people out there because that's a lot of what my ministry is, yeah. is just being available uh, you know to, for, for in whatever way to bring whatever light I can bring you know in terms of what I do, so that's still it's just very much a part of my life and lifestyle, so it's not actually something I actually think about doing anymore yeah in a anyway it's just it's kind of like you know breathing or taking baths or whatever you just do it you exactly know, you know?
0: yeah i mean i think I think I've heard Jer talk about it using the technique. Um, it, it's just the technique. I don't know how Jr. said it, but what I got was you use the technique until you no longer need the technique because you're doing it. And
1: to me, that's a lot of what you're saying. Sure. Well, it's like learning to drive. Yeah. You know, learning to drive, you have to learn, well, that thing goes there, and that thing, oh my God, oh my God. And then at a certain point, you start to extend your horizon. Yeah. You know, because then some things become automatic, and so that allows you to extend your horizon. So. Yeah extending your horizon the the more you get you know all of that done yeah uh, the more that's the longer your sight is essentially in terms of what you do then the more on automatic a lot of this stuff tends to be yeah not to say that it should be on automatic i mean one should be conscious about the stuff too and i have to work at that too yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. um so
0: if you were to describe it to someone who, you know, It's a, when you've been doing it for so long and, and I've been doing it for a while myself, I, I don't want to say so long, but, you know, give away my age. I still consider myself young. I feel young, but apparently I'm older these days. Um, but if you were to describe it to someone who is just learning about how to do this type of spiritual exercise, how would you tell someone how to do it? I mean, what would you? How would you guide them if if someone said, "Hey, David, how do I do this spiritual
1: exercise thing?" Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I I, I haven't been asked that for many many years. So <laughs> let me see how I would answer that now. You know, obviously there were there were um, there were things that that obviously Jr. channeled and brought forward in terms of the hue and the and the tones and the so forth that yeah. that that you know change the frequency or that allow you to to shift your frequencies in terms yeah. of your focus and that's uh whether someone's inter- into that level of depth of interest to this would you know i could share with them at least my experience with what th- what those are about yeah that'd be great But quite frankly just you know these days mindfulness is you know it's a popular concept out there mm-hmm. It's focus on your breathing you know it just brings you present and yeah. a whole lot of that a whole lot of you know, uh, you know what I learned through the movement is just let go and let God. But let go just basically means relax. You know, that's probably the biggest message that everybody needs these days. It's just like, hey, chill. You know? yeah. <laughs> relax. Chill. chill, you know, <laughs> and focus that, you know, I learned, but I learned in the martial arts even before I got into the MSIA that, uh, you know, focusing on your breathing was the best way to get present. Yeah. You know, so, you know, if you got hit in the wrong place in your body and it really, really hurts, you mm-hmm. focus on your breathing because pain you know, apparently really comes from the ego, which, which is in the fear of the past and, you know, and fear of the future, you know. And so uh, if you can stay present, that's how the yogis are able to do all that strange stuff and stick nails in themselves yeah. and, and go through all that. So, you know, if you can learn to be truly, truly present, there is no pain. So if nothing else, just being able to quiet the world, you know, as I say, the universe is always on. Yeah. So meditation is not about stopping the world or not stopping anything. What it does is just quieting a certain level of our experience so that we're able to tap into other levels of that experience. I mean, every, I think everybody's got a still, small voice in there. Oh, yeah. You know, and the high self, whether you call it the high self or whatever you want to refer to it, is that there's a part of us that, that has that. I think that's probably how I would address it with somebody because you could tie it into what have you already experienced in your life where you were able to listen to some sort of a still small voice inside of you and follow some inner direction that worked yeah you know and most people I would imagine have some sort of a reference point about that and then that's that's probably what I would tell so you could make that a much more uh, um, elegantly um, uh, obvious part of your day to day world as opposed to some extraordinary experience yeah well well said,
0: and thanks for sharing that um, how
1: how do you look at God the concept of God or the experience of God well you know he she it's all around you know my experience is when i've when I've been able to really really let go and be able to get to those levels of experiencing it <clears throat> it's <clears throat> it's there it's it's that's always there. It's, it's, we, we are a part of it. And so it's not like you have to go somewhere. It's not like you have to go even, even try to talk to somebody. Uh, it's really just about letting go and being able to be open to whatever the highest form of energy that, that you're, that you're open to. And, um, you know, I've been able to at, at various moments in my life over these last few last years, you know, I've been able to, you know, tap into an experience of what it's what what those other worlds are like, you know, when you're there. I, I, I can't say I'm there, you know, all the time, but, sure. you know, that's a sort of acknowledging that that that's there and acknowledging when I need that and when I might think about it, you know, be nice to think about it all the time, but I'm not that good yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get involved out here in the material world, you know, as much as anybody. Um, but to be able to stop and slow down and let go and and be able to listen to whatever the whatever that voice is. And it's always been true. It's always been, it's always been, I've never gotten any bad advice yeah. from that. Yeah, definitely. So,
0: and and like you were saying, a lot of, a lot of your work has taken you into, into this world. Um, and a lot of the getting things done is about getting things done in this, in this world. And so how does that, for you and your life, tie into this aspect of your life?
1: Well, early on, as I began to discover this, me- this methodology or began to explore and, and experience it, uh, to me, it mapped to, in my at least working hypothesis, the two really key things that we're here in the material world to do. First of all, is to be accountable for what you have put in motion. Call it karma, call it whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you put it in motion, you're going to yep. eat it. You know, yep. it, will, it. It will come around no <laughs> matter what. So, true. so there's a whole lot about completion, And a whole lot of the getting things done methodology was based on your agreements, agreements with yourself, agreements with other people, but they're all with yourself. And so, you know, all your would, could, should, need tos, ought tos are Mm -hmm. things you have put in motion already. Yeah. So, you know, it was teaching people to be accountable for what you have put in motion, not telling them they should. I'm just saying... You have it. What are the incompletes? What are the open loops in your life? What are the things that are still running? What do you have attention on? Yeah. What's got your attention? And that's the one thing is completion and the, and the power of completion and being accountable for the, uh, for the things that you have put into motion but have not completed or finished or let go of yet. Yeah. And the second thing is you you keep creating. You can't stop creating. So, so okay. True. So so now be accountable for where you're putting your positive focus or where you're putting your forward focus, so that you don't create more, you know, negative karma. So in a way, it's yeah. about completion and creation. It's those two things. And I, I said I actually uncovered something that you don't have to talk about any of this spiritually. You don't have to talk about any of it that way. All I have to do is walk into your life, and pick up something that's in your briefcase or in your pack or on your desk that doesn't belong there permanently. Say, why is this here? You know, what are you gonna do about it? What is that what what's it saying to you? <clears throat> and I'm gonna put you back in the driver's seat about being accountable for what you've let come into your life and then what you're gonna do about it. So interestingly I never had to give up, you know, it was fascinating to me and I've been graced really to be to have a profession that totally is in alignment with my experience of what the spiritual laws are that we're dealing with here. Yeah. So I go. Oh, how cool is that? You know, and and so I don't have to give any of that up, and still do a lot of good work that people find extremely valuable, though they may or may not, you know, catch the underneath underlying things. It's interesting. Every once in a while, somebody says, "Gee, David, there seems to be a good bit more to this than just what I read in the book." <laughs> and I go, hmm, yeah. Yeah, "Yeah, there could be. Yeah, yeah, it could be." So you know, those who have ears to hear, are, you know, eyes to see. Um, can usually catch that there's there's more to this than meets the eye in that way. Yeah, and it's really about you know even though the, we titled the book Getting Things Done because that was a good title to to, to do it and it, a, a lot of it is if you're here to do things, if you're here to your destiny, your karma, your dharma, whatever it is, if you're here to actually do this is a doing level. Yeah, and come on, Jr. And you know you know the, yep. the, the you know the people who are most into being that I know are highly into doing. Yeah, there. You know, so there's not a dichotomy between being and so doing. true. It's like if you're if you're really into the beingness, there's a doingness that will emerge organically, and that you're going to be involved in because this is this is the this is that this is the world that that revolves and works with that energy field, and that's why we're here. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Right. So it even though it is, in order to really get present, sometimes you need to be getting things done. Mm-hmm. in order to be able to do that. But the you know here's a big secret. Getting things done is not so much about getting things done. It's really more about being appropriately engaged with your life yeah, and your work. Are you appropriately engaged with your health? Are you appropriately engaged with your friends? Are you appropriately engaged with your cat? Are you appropriately engaged with your plumbing? Are you appropriately engaged? Appropriate engagement doesn't mean that you finish it all. It just means that you've acknowledged it, you know where it is, and you 've got yourself in the driver 's seat about managing your life relative to those things in some appropriate way, and that 's what brings you present so the whole idea is to is to be present right. And I don't care how much focusing on your breathing and mindfulness practice you do, if you still need cat food and you haven't put it on a post it on the fridge, cat food's still gonna pop in your mind. It'll pop in your mind at three o'clock in the morning. You can't do you know, think <laughs> anything about cat food, you know? So so if you want to shut that shut that, you know, freaking thing up, you you need to then appropriately engage with whatever that commitment is. As soon as I need cat food pops into your head twice, you're not you're inappropriately engaged with your cat. Right, so just start. You'd have to go very far. Just notice what has your attention, right? And ask yourself, what What I need to do to get present about this and not have this bugging me, bothering me, worrying me, or whatever. So it's a great, you know. It, again, it's a great ministry that I've been able to stumble into. You know, yeah. to be able to do that kind of work and offer that to people to the to whatever degree they're, they they want to pick it up. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, that. Thank you for that. It, it definitely showed how how these really function together and how they're really not separate, the doing and the getting these things done as well with like the spiritual focus and the spiritual laws and and all those things, how they really work in harmony. And whether you're just showing someone how to turn on the light, they may not have to know how how to run the cable of the electricity and how that all functions and the formulas of all that. Um, you know, that, and people who want to know that can learn that, but really you're showing people, I'm just going to, uh, turn on the light. Um, what's the, what you've worked with so many people now at this point, and you've trained so many other people to work with people. Uh, what do you find is, is maybe the most common, if you want to call them mistakes or challenges that people have to overcome in this area of, uh, completion of completing things? I don't know. Okay.
1: I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons people don't engage with this. First of all, I think a lot of people don't think they need it because I'm not not a proselytizer. I'm not out going banging on somebody's head that they should do this. I'm really more of an educator and a researcher than than a motivational speaker. You know, I'm just, look, if you want to shut your mind up so that you have more space in your head. See, GTD creates space. You don't need time. You need room. Yeah. It doesn't take any time to have a good idea, or to be loving, or to be present, or to be, or to be strategic, or to be innovative, or creative. Those don't take time; they require room. If you're so wrapped true. around, you know, a meeting from two days ago that you haven't resolved and haven't handled, it's hard to be present cooking spaghetti, so you know, or <laughs> or so being true. mindful about anything. You know, so yes. so you know, a, a lot of this is about uh, how do you manage that and and that. Quite frankly, Nat, I think the reason a lot of people don't do this is their addiction to stress. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you're willing to go out and shoot up stress. It just means that you're still willing to tolerate that stuff banging around in your head. I'm yeah. not. You know, yeah. I got I got used to what it's like to have nothing on your mind. Yeah. You know? So, but it's not free. You don't get there by drinking or meditating. I know. I do both. You know, but, the, yeah. but those don't those the, that's a different function. You know, from those things then if you really want a clear head, you have to decide what's on your mind and then manage that appropriately. So I just figured out the algorithm about how you do that. And whether people want to buy into that or not, I, you know, that's up to them. Most of the people, what's funny, the interesting thing that over these years and actually kind of good <laughs> for my lifestyle is the people most attracted to what I teach and coach are the people who need it the least. They're already the most productive you know, creative, positive uh-huh. thinking folks. Cause they already know systems work. Yeah. They already know, uh, that they need good tools mm-hmm. and, but they've so over created based upon their own creativity and their mm-hmm. success that they, they haven't pulled up the rear guard <laughs> really. And so they've, yeah. they've got, they've shot out beyond themselves in terms of their ability to stay present with all the stuff that, that they, that they're so involved with. So they just, you know, they don't need time. They need room. Yeah. So, so that's, and so those are the people who sort of recognize that, that are attracted to our work, which is, which is cool. So I get to hang with some of the, some of the coolest, busiest, brightest, busiest people you'd ever, you you would ever meet that yeah. are very interested in this because they know any little thing that gives them a little bit more space, they're going to create that much more cool stuff Yeah, because they're already doing it, you know, so, you know, so yeah. So the, the biggest mistake, I guess, of the biggest thing that's missing is people's awareness that of a what it's like to have nothing on your mind and how cool that is and b that it's possible to get there yeah
0: yeah that i mean that's just the idea that it's possible to get there i think
1: a lot of people i don't think they'd even know what that is? Yeah, well, you know, the, the kind of the bad news is that a lot of my stuff has been tied in with the whole productivity and time management stuff, which got a lot of baggage around those kind of terms. Yeah, everybody thinks that's that's more work. I have to extra stuff. I have to do. Oh my god! And I went to a time management course, and it didn't. I didn't. It didn't work. Yeah, you know, it was silly. And I, you know, I I didn't. You know, yada yada yada. Yep. And so, you know, I've had to just kind of put up with the fact that I've been, you know packaged in with all of that in terms of how people perceive what this work is though it's really not like that at all it's really more about (laughs) a good example a lot of I can't say a lot I'd say I count on two hands anyway the number of people who have been serious serious advocates of my methodology that after a year or two realized that they were still they, they'd gotten so enthused about how many things they could get done, how easily, yeah. they really truly overcreated again and, and are about yeah. to burn themselves out. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and then they went, it. well, wait a minute, I don't think this is exactly what getting things done is about. It's not about burning yourself out because you're so inspired about doing stuff. <laughs> and so, because there are multiple levels of agreements with yourself, and one level of those agreements is your agreement with yourself about quality of life. Yeah, you know, how, how stressed do, do, are you willing to tolerate being You know, and so at some point, it's all really about completion. I mean, if you're here, if you're here to, 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 you know, manifest your destiny at whatever level that you think that might be, that's something to complete. And it's, how efficiently are you doing that? Are you on purpose? Are you off purpose? So it, it really all comes down to that. A lot of people think that my work is just deals with the mundane. It does because that's where most people are. Yeah. But if your day-to-day and your mundane is out of control, don't even try to focus on the future because you'll just frustrate yourself and, you know, create more guilt. Yeah. You know, you don't need that, you know, so you need to get your day-to-day under control. When you do that, it opens up more organic space essentially for you to kind of lift up like helium balloon. You just automatically will start to see things from a higher perspective once your day-to-day is under control.
0: Yeah, I definitely resonate with a lot of what you're saying. Um, Definitely about the space part. For me, often I can find that in nature at times. I'll find the space if I can get away or retreats, spiritual retreats where, you know, you really turn off everything of this world and or even in meditation to get above the karma, the fields of action and reaction and and all of that. Um, But I do find that when you get that inspiration that it is easy to, to overcreate, like you're saying you can all of a sudden get so enthusiastic about all these new things. Um, if you're a creative person, uh, and I think a lot of the, the people you're talking about are creative people, um, whether they're a business executive or not, there's a lot of creativity in business. Um, and having that extra space so you really answered in a way a question I was going to ask, which is how do you deal with the overcreation? it sounds like a lot of that is just about finding the higher priorities of what, what life is about for you,
1: what its meaning is. Sure. Sure. And even from a business standpoint, it's like, well, come on, let's go back to strategy. What's the purpose of the business? How, what's your, you know, what are the things that you're doing? You need to move off to onto your someday maybe list, as opposed to thinking you need to do all of that stuff. Yeah. And you just need to, you know, one solution is is one that everybody already has. It's pretty simple. It's called get older. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait. You know, next year you'll be willing to be that much more tolerant. You'll be that much more willing to say no. <laughs> so don't worry, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so that kind of I would like to segue into something that to me is similar to what we're talking about or could tie in, but. Um, may take us in a different direction which is wealth how do you look at wealth how do you define wealth I'm sure you've been around a fair amount of it whether in the business contact or with your clients um, in terms of in terms of materiality and rich but how would you look at wealth
1: yeah it's another good question um, I don't really think about it that much um, you know i I, I You know, there's all this sort of standard stuff that says real real wealth is how many things you're willing to do to, how many things you're willing to give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, there's, there's, and you know, you've been, you know, in in that game where, you know, (laughs) where, yeah, uh, you don't need anything, Mm -hmm. you know, is a, is a, is a very wealthy, healthy, you know, place to be, you know, essentially. Um, so I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I, you know, we all tend to think of wealth in terms of money in terms of goods and materiality and things sure. like that in terms of what people have. But I think certainly the, the, your your ability to be free is to me, you know probably the the, the, the biggest definition of wealth you know, that, that I would have. But again, the way I'm wired my numerically and so forth is I'm a freedom guy. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of why everybody thinks, gee, David, you know, you must be the most anal retentive, you know, highly organized person they ever met. And (laughs) I'm not that way at all. I mean, you can ask Catherine, you know, my wife, um, I like to be spontaneous. Follow my spontaneous, intuitive hunches. I just discovered, and a lot of what getting things done and the methodology I uncovered, you know, with all this, you know, facilitates my ability to be able to stay present, you know, with that stuff. And to me, that that's wealth. I mean, it is the the freedom to put my attention wherever I want it, whenever I want it. Yeah. To me, is, is is would be wealth to me. But again, it's probably a very personal definition for everybody. Sure. Uh, but that's What's your great
0: definition. Um, what is mine? Now that you're asking me, I'm usually not in the hot seat here. Uh, well, the thing that does, did come to mind, and you were touching on it, is one thing that uh, it's a story I think I've told on the show before, but I was with J.R., uh, in a room somewhere, and there was a lot. I don't remember what we were doing, but there was a lot of wealthy people in there. And he's like, "Who do you think the the wealthiest person is in here?" And I said, "I don't know, Jr. Who, who's the wealthiest person?" And he said, "The one who doesn't need anything." And to me, that that captures wealth when when you don't have when you don't need anything when you're content in what you have. And and I would say something that. For me, the the greatest wealth is the ability to move my consciousness into higher levels or to be aware of them. I don't know how to say that in the best way. But whatever that process is um, it, of moving into these other worlds is the greatest wealth. And on this level, I'd say health is wonderful. Health is definitely part of my wealth and and... I agree with you. Freedom, health, all these things add to my wealth and having the space and the ability to focus where you want to. And money is part of that? It can be part of that, but it doesn't have you know money is What is money to you? Let's let me put it back in your court.
1: Money to me is just the uh, the ability to be free to do other things. Yeah. You know, I mean that's a, it's a medium of exchange basically. I mean that that that's kind of what it is and I would say, you know, uh, you you also need to be free to have money, and not be bothered by that, yeah, and not be constrained by that. So, True. you know, there's certainly a lot of people who've been in the sort of financially wealthy categories. You kind of meet both of those, you know, mm-hmm. the people that are really hung up about it, afraid to lose it, yep, uh, and the people that are totally clear and clean, you know, about it, and are absolutely fine that they have that and. They take the accountability for managing, you know, that resource, yeah, you know, in, in in appropriate ways that sort of align with their values, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so in a way, money is just becomes a tool for to to your aims of greater freedom, and it's something that it seems we all deal with because it is that energy unit sure. of exchange.
1: Well, if you're, you know, if you're graced enough as I am to have wound up with a career that I don't think I can stop doing. Yeah, because you know, yeah. as you can tell, all you have to do is poke me, and and I spout. You know? yep. So if I do that, so you know, to me, the 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 money that I've been able to generate by doing that allows me to keep doing it. Yeah, you know, so I would not like the I would not like to be constrained by the the lack of the freedom to sort of go where I need to go, talk to who where I need to talk to, and then again, as you know you know if you really kind of give it up and sort of and let god sort of run the show uh you know you know, I, I hopped into the consulting world in 1981. God, how, what, wow. how many years ago was that, right? And in the consulting world, you're always any days, any, anywhere from days to months from bankruptcy. Because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. nobody's, nobody's really hiring you unless you're in a big consulting firm and, yeah. uh, and run a big consulting firm. Nobody's hiring you, you know, past a certain period of time. Yeah. So you're always yeah. having to trust in the universe that the next thing is going to show up and since 1981 the next thing has always shown up but a lot of that comes back to JR and SEs and trusting in spirit and then you know sort of giving it over to it and saying hey you know for the highest good you know hopefully and Catherine and I do ideal scenes and we sit down and we write them out and we you know we still do all the kind of good stuff you should do if you want to make sure that your focus you know for your basic self and so forth is is lined up appropriately Uh, but you do your part, yeah, yeah, and then you let go and let God relax and be patient, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you know it's the, what? It, what's the old saying? You know, you know, trust in Allah and tie your camel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and, and so do your part, and um,
0: and the rest just relax because you don't really have control anyway on that on a
1: lot of it. Um, or do you find do you? Do you subscribe? No, no. I mean, control is, you know, Jr. said years ago, and I, I agree with it, that control is the master addiction. You know, everybody's trying to control the world. They're trying to control everything. And so I use control in the sense of having something under control, like your car or a meeting or your mm-hmm. kitchen or your the spaghetti or whatever. Under control, meaning it's stable enough that I'm able to focus on more than just trying to fix something. You know, so having something under control... And so having my life under control is really, you know, I think, uh, I wouldn't say it's a requirement, but I would say that's probably a lot of what our task is here, is to maintain enough of um, stability so that we can focus on higher levels of things, if, yeah. that's, if that is of interest to you. Yeah, and, and it seems
0: like in a way we've come back full circle from the beginning where it was started out with, Hey, just chill, everyone. (laughs) And and once again, we're like, you know, do your part, but chill out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but there's a do your part that I think a lot of people need to step up to. Yeah. And that's not me telling them that they should. It's them telling themselves that they should and they're not doing it. Yeah. So it's really more about paying attention to what has your attention internally. I think everybody knows just pay attention if anybody just anybody listen to this right now yeah, stop take a breath you know what's the still small voice inside of you telling you right now you yeah. know where should you put your focus what do you need you know what would be for the highest good of you and you know everything you're engaged with right now and I've never I've never had the lack of that information showing up yeah and and
0: it is that simple because a lot of people would probably there's probably a dialogue in their heads like i i'm too busy to like focus on that kind of stuff i've just got to get all the stuff done and like you just said stop take a breath and listen and that didn't take long i mean it took less than a minute from what you were saying and uh the results i think will speak for themselves if people actually just stop for a minute and listen
1: yeah yeah and you know there's also great exercises. Journaling is a great exercise, Definitely. you know, to just to, to to sort of externalize your thinking, mm-hmm. not let yourself get run by a bunch of unconscious spin, you know that oftentimes is, you know we're dealing with. Yeah. In that way. And so, you know, and you know, spiritual exercises are retreats and any of those kinds of things are great things to do. Yeah. You know, I've done I've done them more than I can count, you know, <laughs> in terms of, you know, how many of those I've been to, I've been to and, and, and done and and <laughs> yeah. you know, there's you, you can't beat that I mean that's no. there there is you know, that, that is what it is, and it's it, it for it it's for anyone but not for everyone that's very true, very well said well, David, I feel
0: that uh, we've come to the end of the interview, and I just want to again thank you so much for coming on the show today um and and for hosting us here in this lovely home in uh, Amsterdam. So thank you so much once again. Yeah, this was fun, Matt, yay. Yeah. I have okay. one more question actually that okay. just popped into my mind that Go. I do like to Go would like me. to ask. If you were to look back at your whole life and say what life has taught you, what the message is in, a, in, a, in like one message that life has given you or that your life has been about, what would that be?
1: I would have to say, uh, <laughs> relax and, uh, follow your inner wisdom and, uh, trust that you know it and that it's, uh, yours and that it's quite special and especially for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, pay attention to what has your attention and be willing to do what you really feel like doing.
0: So that was the interview with David Allen. I hope that you all enjoyed that very much. And am look I'm looking forward to doing more interviews this year. And so stay tuned and you can uh, contact me or get more information at my website, transcend.online. And I look forward to having you listen to the next podcast. Until then, God bless you all and have a lot of fun and joy.